All right, welcome back to a another episode of Through the Smoke, a Miami Hurricanes podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. I'm Andrew Ivins, joined as always by David Lake. Uh, we're doing a recording after Miami's 24-20 loss to Florida here in Orlando. Um, the audio tonight, or I guess whenever you're listening to this podcast, probably isn't going to be the best as we're not in our regular studio. We're using the front seat of a car kind of as the studio. David, uh, a close defensive game. This is kind of what we expected. Um, I think the results kind of what we expected as well, but just your overall takeaways um, from what you saw. Yeah, I mean, I think overall, um, I think just big picture-wise, Andrew, if I told you Miami was going to score 20 points in a game, you would have taken that all day. And I, I did an article leading up to this game that 20 point was kind of the magic number for Miami because I thought uh, Miami's defense might be able to hold Florida under 20 points. That didn't prove to be the case, but Miami scored 20 points, which you would have maybe thought could have been good enough to get Miami a win. Uh, that didn't happen. Uh, other just quick, obvious, big picture thoughts. I think Jaron Williams has the goods, man. I think so obviously he took a lot of sacks. I think the majority of those sacks were not his fault. Miami's offensive line kind of got whipped for the majority of the game, particularly the freshman offensive tackles. The interior of the line had some struggles with some uh, delayed blitzes that Florida was sending at some points in the game. Uh, but with that being said, like I do think Jaron managed the pressure well he showed that he has pocket presence, which is something that you can't teach a quarterback, really. Either a guy has it or he doesn't. I think Jaron has it. Uh, he definitely was willing to step up into the pocket, into pressure, and deliver tough throws. Uh, I think he executed the offense at a high level. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's kind of my takeaway on offense. And if, you know, defensively, it was a good a, a good showing overall by the defense. I think they got caught up in, in some tough matchups at times. I think we saw, we can go into this a little later, but missing a third cornerback with DJ Ivey uh, serving a suspension might have bit Miami a little bit in the fourth quarter on that long play to Gilbert Frierson with Gilbert Frierson in coverage. Um having him match up against Josh Hammond is probably not the most ideal matchup, but those are just kind of the quick thoughts off the top of my head that go through my head now thinking about the game. I think you bring up a good point there about Frierson kind of being in the game because I remember I was down on the field pregame warmups. You look over at the cornerback line and there's four guys standing there and two of them have never played in a college game before. So um, I think there was a lot of youth that showed tonight. Miami started two freshmen at the tackle spots, which we knew was going to be an adventure, and it resulted in 10 sacks. And I guess if you're a Miami fan, the thought is it's never going to be as bad as it was uh, against Florida. I mean, I don't think they're going to see a defensive front like that the rest of the season. Um, and now these guys have a start under their belt. Zion Nelson obviously struggled. Um, I don't know what Miami could have done different. I think we've discussed it in previous episodes. Maybe you you put a DJ Scaife over on that side, but at some point they were going to have to try this out, and they did. And, it, and now it's just kind of a building point. 
Uh, penalties were also a huge issue tonight. I think the number is 14 for well over 100 yards. I mean, there was costly flags, it seemed like, all the time. Um, some situational type stuff. I think there was a few chop blocks. Jaron Williams, for some reason, from what I observed on the sidelines, could not, at least in the first quarter, didn't know where the play clock was, and I think that's what resulted resulted in some of those delay games. I think that's a little concerning, seeing as how Miami scrimmaged uh, at Camping World Stadium, so they would know where that play clock is. But I do agree with you. I'm a fan of Jaron Williams. I think he's he's very accurate. Uh, he puts the ball where normally his receivers are the only ones that can make play plays on it. I thought that first drive that Dan Enos put together was awesome. Brevin Jordan had a monster game. I mean, I think you have to be excited. I think that we have a, a thread on our, our message board after the game. Someone's obviously not happy with Enos and his play calling, which I don't know. I mean, it's hard when you can't block that front. I thought he called a pretty good game. Yeah, I mean, I get the frustration with the offense. It, it was uh, it was tight. Like, it, it wasn't a very open offense. But like you said, like, what are you gonna what are you gonna call when the offensive line just can't block? I do think it is fair to bring up in terms of Enos. Like on that first drive, we saw a ton of motion, a ton of shifts on that drive, and you know, obviously things are gonna be more smooth with that opening drive script, and we kind of saw that on that drive. But I feel like as the as the game progressed, we didn't see as much of that pre-snap motion and shifting going on and I kind of wonder why to be honest um I think too we should talk about special teams Andrew because you know that was a, a turning point in the game as well you know Manny has said Manny Diaz has said he he wanted to address the deficiencies on special teams from last year and quite frankly that didn't really happen in this game against Florida with Jeff Thomas muffing a punt and giving the ball to Florida in favorable field position and then you know Bubba Baxa quite frankly missed a what should have been an easy field goal and that play mattered because when you're down four and in the last minute there's a big difference between needing to get a touchdown and needing to get a field goal so you know I'm interested to see how these special team things get ironed out I think too like Dan Mullen calling that uh fourth down play punt play early in the game was somewhat of a concerning sign because you get the sense that Mullen felt like he could pick on Manny Diaz almost in that situation so I don't know I will say I was down on the field for that uh the fake punt in Miami I think they had one of the freshman corners out there everyone was kind of they were not set or ready and I think that's just kind of the youth with this team I I don't want to hammer this home but it just seemed like Miami had to rely on a lot of young or, or relatively inexperienced guys tonight. I think we look at the big plays they gave up, uh, Florida's first touchdown in that first quarter, um, obviously the, the pass where, where Gilbert Frierson was beat. I mean, those are those those safeties, Gervin Hall and Amari Carter. I mean, they've never made a start before in these type of situations. So I think the youth definitely showed uh, on both sides of the ball. I will ask you, David, I mean, you – we're not expecting this. Tate Martell got a ton of run tonight. Uh, he was a decoy. I think the first play he came in, Florida had to take a timeout because they, they weren't really ready for him. He was in there on DJ's long, uh, DJ Dallas's long touchdown run. What did you think about him getting the, the amount of snaps he got? 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting. He probably, I'll be interested to see what the snap count ends up being, but it seemed like he probably got the fourth most snaps of the receivers. Um, And I think that's interesting. He was on the field for some of those big plays, so maybe he he did draw some attention and, and allowed for big plays to happen. But to be honest, at the same time, it does concern me maybe what this might mean for the wide receiver room because you have to wonder what a guy like Mark Pope, what a guy like Brian Hightower, Jeremiah Payton, D. Wiggins, what they think about this. Um, you know, a guy moves from quarterback to wide receiver, and in his first game, he's already playing more snaps than I am. And I think that's a tough situation now that Taylor Stubblefield, Dan Enos, and Manny Diaz are going to have to navigate. So we'll see how that goes, I guess. You know, we're talking about negative stuff. Let's Let's talk about some positives, maybe. And I was I was impressed by DJ Dallas. He stepped up as a big-time playmaker, I thought. Uh, obviously, that 50-yard touchdown run was a game-changing play at that time. And then he also was, was reliable in the passing game. They used him in the Wildcat. I was impressed by DJ. Anyone stand out to you, Andrew? I think the obvious one is, is Brevin Jordan. Um, just from a... Uh, you know, obviously you're up in the press box. I'm down on the field. I was shooting photos tonight. He's a guy who really just cares. I mean, after they lost, he was crying on the field. He was the last one to leave. Um, he really elevated his play, and I think it, he finally not lived up to the ranking. I mean, we saw him flash some of it last year, but he was consistent throughout the game. He almost made the catch late at the end. Uh, so he's definitely someone that I liked a lot. I know uh, Miami fans will probably won't agree with this. I thought Scott, Scott Patchen didn't have that bad of a game. I know he came up with a fumble recovery, but I thought he gave them some some good reps out on the edge. Uh, I will say it is a little concerning that Miami really didn't – I wouldn't say – they pressured Franks, but they only finished the night with one sack. I think we said coming in the game they, they got to get him uh, down. Um, but they did force turnovers, and uh, Amari Carter, I thought – was good at times sometimes he was there were some coverage breakdowns but he had the interception I, I thought he was pretty solid um really really those guys for me yeah and I'll highlight I thought overall uh the two starting defensive tackles John Ford Pat Bethel just you know watching the game haven't watched the the tv broadcast of course but my impressions of them was they did a good job on the inside there stuff in the run so I think that was somewhat of a concern maybe going into this game just as a question mark and I think after this game you should feel pretty good about Ford and Bethel all right my question for you who has the worst grade from pro football focus John Campbell or Zion Nelson after tonight I'm taking John Campbell John Campbell (laughs) (laughs) it was it was not uh the night for him I finally before we wrap this up I will say one thing I thought, I don't know if it was important, but after Miami took the 3-0 lead, they had all that momentum, then they give up the fake punt, Florida scores the next play. I thought there was a chance this team was going to shut down. And Manny's talked about breeding competition, being ready to look, uh, I hate the word adversity, but ready to look adversity in the face and rebound. And there was multiple times in this game, I think in the second half too, before that DJ Dallas run, I'm like, well, this is it. I mean, like they're, they're pretty much done. And this team rebounded and found a chance. So I think uh, if you're a Miami fan, like you should be excited about that. It seems like this team, 
has, I guess, the right direction and the right leadership. Like, there's the right leaders, and it's a long season. I like Miami can regroup now. I think everyone knows that they have their quarterback. Um, we've got the first first starts out of the way for these two tackles. The safeties have now got some game film, so uh, I think it's going to get easier. And I don't think it would, tonight was a complete waste. It could have gone way worse. No, I agree, and that's a very good point that they that Scott Patch and fumble recovery was huge, and that kind of started the momentum shift. I think too, like you're gonna see the offense be able to get loose more, generate some bigger plays, just because Miami's not gonna see a defense on this level the rest of the year. Um, guys like Jeff Thomas, KJ Osborne, they're gonna be able to create space against these corners and DBs that they're gonna be facing moving forward in this ACC schedule. So, I think for all the people that are criticizing Dan Enos, I think that will help open up the offense. Uh, honestly. I don't know if the offensive tackles can possibly play worse moving forward, so maybe that's a positive. Um, But yeah, I mean, you know, look, Florida was favored for a reason. I think Miami was in position to win the game. It didn't work out. Um, But I don't think this is necessarily a... You should have a negative feeling about this team right now. And it's going to be interesting to see how they regroup against North Carolina. Um... But overall, I think, like you said, the biggest question I think has been answered, and that's at quarterback. And you got to feel good about what they have in Jaron Williams. All right, guys, uh, that's going to wrap up our quick instant reaction podcast. I'm sure we'll go more in depth um, on this game and just kind of where things stand once the, once the dust settles. Make sure you stay locked to Miami.247sports.com for full coverage from me. Uh, And David, we'll talk to you next time.